Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Back live here on our big broadcast. We have got a great guest with us today. Mary, how are you, my friend? James, I'm so good to hear you today. I'm doing very well. Thank you. So, Mary, uh, give us a little bit on your background. You have an incredible, incredible background, my friend. I hate to brag, but I agree with you. I'm a licensed <laughs> psychologist, and for the last 30 years, I have been practicing psychology specifically with aging adults. Awesome. I'm also awesome. a teacher, an author, a blogger, and pretty much just a Renaissance woman. So I dabble in a lot of different areas, all with the idea of helping everybody, young and old, understand the challenges of aging in the 21st century. Fantastic. So you have a uh, the five pillars of aging. Talk to us a little bit about this. You know, one of the things that I learned very early on is that Aging is a process that we do one of three things with. We either embrace it, we ignore it and live in denial, or it shocks us, it comes upon us, and we're surprised by it. So the five pillars of aging came out of an exploration with older adults on how they've managed to work through the challenges of aging addressing these three issues specifically. So each of the pillars, in short, are how to stay engaged as we age. And that's both physical and cognitive and emotional and, importantly, spiritually, too. Another pillar is how do we adapt and accommodate to the challenges that aging presents to us. Third pillar, how do we find purpose and meaning as we grow older? particularly since we live in a culture that seems to value youth over wisdom. Yes. How to build community. It's so important. Some of the people are talking today about aging as being the golden ghetto. We disappear from the planet once we retire. Staying engaged, keeping in community, finding ways to sustain and in some cases replace community is vitally important to having a successful life as we grow older. And the last, and perhaps this is the most important to my heart, how do we create a legacy of values? So much time is spent talking about distributing things and taking care of money and uh, artwork and jewelry and, and stories that are important to us. That's all necessary. But what is more important and what will sustain us for generation to generation are the values that we have grown up with, including facing some of the dark legacies that we've had to deal with, legacies of trauma, legacies of substance use, legacies of displacement. We have to come to terms with those if we're going to move forward in our life. We have got a great guest with us today. She joins us live here on our big broadcast, Coast to Coast and Border to Border on iHeartRadio today. 
also build, grow, and enjoy. And uh, so you have been uh, all across the country. You're a uh, just an amazing speaker. What 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 are some folks uh, across the country? What's some feedback you've gotten so so far on some of the topics and some of the different things that you speak on? So uh, you know, I've had the the privilege of speaking to professionals, social workers, psychologists, nurses, physicians around the country on one of the biggest issues that we have in this nation, which is how to treat aging adults. Um, One of my mentors uh, is Louise Aronson, and she wrote a fabulous Pulitzer Prize-nominated book called Elderhood. What came out of that book is the acknowledgement that we are in a culture that looks upon older adults as being in a waiting room getting ready to die as opposed to thriving and contributing people. One of the biggest problems that aging adults face is being infantilized by the medical community. I had a patient this past week who went into um, our little local hospital here because she was dehydrated. She wasn't able to talk and speak for herself in the way she normally would. She's a perfectly perfectly educated and capable of speaking for her own needs. But because of this condition, being dehydrated, they assumed that she was mentally incompetent and had Alzheimer's. Wow. Honest to Pete, I see this and I hear this day after day. So one of the things that I've addressed in all of my lectures around the country is how to see a person as they are, not as we fear ourselves to be in the future and not as perhaps we were taught to expect. I've also had the opportunity to teach groups of older adults around the country. And actually, I shouldn't say my opportunity to teach them. I've been their student. And what I have learned is the incredible resiliency and capacity to bounce back from challenges that the older generation has, and we bo- I'm a boomer, and we boomers have. And I've seen this over and over and over again here as we've gotten through this pandemic. We have got a great guest with us today. She joins us live here in our broadcast. Mary Elfled is with us. Five Pillars of Aging is the topic today here on our big program. So, Mary, what, you know, as as I was as I was growing up and and as I was you know maturing and everything and if you talk to many folks in the radio industry I still haven't matured all the way but uh, <laughs> the uh, <laughs> the thing that I noticed is that I, I I noticed that there was a lot of folks that that would say various things and even I've said this on so many occasions where especially in the radio industry where I'm just where I'm like I just wish some of these old guys would just get the hell out of the way. And part of that was the fact that they literally were not getting the hell out of the way. (laughs) (laughs) However, nowadays I notice that there are, there is this rampant disrespect with seniors and the elderly and and, and all these things. They're they're, they're being called things like old heads and, and all these things. And I, I get around some of these people that they think they know more than uh, the quote-unquote old heads. The thing that I'm trying to figure out is that 
back when I was hoping that the quote-unquote old heads would get the hell out of the way, part of that was they had nowhere else to go. There, 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 was, there was no... You know, the, 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 especially in radio, the, the, they, they didn't have, you know, anywhere to go but be unemployed. And my feeling nowadays is it's not so much that. It's just these guys just want these people to get out of the way because they know everything and they're the star right now. What, 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 is, the, what is the big disconnect there between the two generations? Because... You know, my my big problem was always they would never listen to anybody and they would never get out of the way for new ideas. And nowadays it's, well, I just want you to get out of the way. Not that they have any new ideas. <laughs> I just want them to get the hell out of the way. So what, talk to us about this. What, 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 what is that disconnect there, I guess? You know, James, you bring up a really important issue, which is how we were raised to think about aging. Yes. We were raised in this culture to think about lifespan development in terms of certain key events happening. In the United States of America, you were grown up when you got your driver's license. When you graduated from high school, you either got married and started a family or got into a job, or maybe if you were lucky enough, you got to go to college, at which point you raised a family, and then you retired. Now, back in the 1950s, 1960s, baby boomers started in 46 to 64, essentially. Our lifespan in in the United States was about 68 years of age. So the young'uns that you're talking about who wanted to kick the old ones out who wouldn't get out, they were impatient because they had to wait for about three years for the old ones to die off. Yes. Here is what is fundamentally different in the 21st century. We are living now, lifespan, functionally able to do everything, think, work, uh, be in good, relatively good health, until we're in our 80s. That span of what used to be three years has now gone to three decades. We don't know what to do with people who are retired. And I put that in quotes. You probably couldn't hear that in my voice. Yes, yes. Retired was an idea that was set up for economic reasons back in 1936 by Harry Hopkins under FDR's administration. It worked great for getting people out of working so that younger people could come in and that's how we solved the depression it really was rather remarkable we don't have that issue right now now the challenge is how to find purpose and meaning after what had been originally considered your work or your career or your doing phase has ended and what we're finding is the greatest growth in entrepreneurship in the united states right now is people 65 and older creating new ways of meeting the needs of the communities they live in, doing it in new and different ways, and perhaps surprisingly, and you mentioned this a little bit in your uh, observation here, is baby boomers love technology. We're just using it in different ways. We don't swipe right. We read, (laughs) pay attention, and then share either to friends or by sending emails or by posting on Pinterest or other social media sites, 
the ideas that we have. We're much more collectively involved and values-driven around our communities. I hope that answers it a little bit. Yes, yes, it does. We have got a great guest with us today. She joins us live here on the telephone talking a little bit about aging and uh, some of the different things that are involved with the five pillars of aging. So, Mary, uh, another thing that I find absolutely amazing uh, uh, about the the senior circuit, as as they call it, um, one of one of the things that I love is being around some of the older folks and listening to some of their stories and listening to some of their you know uh, funny little comments that if you're not really paying attention you'll miss um why is it that there is a certain amount of young people anymore who are who don't take the time to pay attention they're just like Ah, this guy's an old head. He just needs to get the hell out of the way. He just needs to shut up, Grandpa, because I got other stuff I'm doing. You know, sadly, it's because of the way we are living these days. Just a generation ago from boomers, where the the greatest generation, if you will, those who went to World War II and fought for us, uh, most Americans lived in an intergenerational family. Grandma lived with Mom and Dad and the kids. And when... The kids grew up, they moved to the farm right next door, and they raised the family in close geographic proximity to the larger family. And you can look at this in a variety of different ways. You can look at it culturally. You can look at it in terms of geography, in terms of work. 1950s, God bless Dwight David Eisenhower. He gave us the interstate system. And people, because of economics, started finding work off the farm, if you will. Uh, They started going further and further away, and families moved apart from one another. In the early 1960s, one of the first 55 and older communities was built, Del Webb, perhaps some of your listeners know his name. Del Webb was a land developer. He saw a lot of land available in Southern California and Arizona. He bought it up, built houses and said, come live cheaply. You don't have to worry about anything. We'll give you 18-hole golf courses and tennis courts and swimming pools, and you won't have those nasty little young'uns underneath your feet bothering you. That began the great chasm, the great divide. So the older generation was no longer in daily contact with children and grandchildren. It became uh, less and less likely that there would be an interchange, even in many of the... um, um, Forgive me, I occasionally put my brain on timeshare, and it goes away. Hey, you know, uh, in many- <laughs> you, 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 you are not alone in that. I have, a, uh, I have a girlfriend who often on Sundays, she says she just shuts her brain off, and I'm like, I wish I knew how to do that. So uh, <laughs> go ahead, my I, friend. I can, I can recommend <laughs> mindfulness training for you. So, I mean, to be, to be briefer here, forgive me for going on. But no, the, no the problem. Big, Go ahead, big, my friend. The big chasm happened. And so younger people weren't um, exposed, if you will, to the older generation. I, I felt so very lucky as a child. I grew up literally listening to my grandfather tell me about stories of his growing up. And for a variety of reasons, my life as an only child I spent a lot of time with my grandparents. And 
truly felt loved, held, and um, embraced by them. I felt so special in that that it's probably one of the reasons why I went into working with with aging adults. Um, I know many people who had very little contact with their grandparents, and it's a shame, not just because of the distribution of stories and information and stuff, but also for having access to wisdom. I don't know if you have children or grandchildren, but one of the greatest uh, ahas that I've seen in families is when um, the child has his or her own child and the parent becomes a grandparent. And all of the frustration in making sure that their own issue was going to be raised safely and uh, make a name for themselves becomes this outpouring of pure joy in embracing the grandchild. So uh, there is something essentially needed in terms of survival of the species to have this connection between grandparents and grandchildren, if only because there is this haven from the push, 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 push of survival that a parent has to go through in raising the child. We have got a tremendous guest with us today. She joins us live here on our big program and uh, talking a little bit about aging, also the five pillars of aging. Uh, Mary Flett with us today. She joins us live. So, Mary, another thing that I find absolutely amazing about the uh the older generations uh is is the fact that they will there, there there's some of them that will and and this this is this is just an odd way of thinking i guess um a lot of the older generations they they had their stances on various things but as they got older and as they needed certain things, they changed their mind on certain things. <laughs> uh, for instance, uh, back, you know, my, my grandmother's generation, they were all about, you know, marijuana was bad, this and that, and all these things. And now just a couple generations forward, yeah, marijuana was bad until they got the aches and the pains, and then all of a sudden, you know, uh, that marijuana is not so bad. We need to uh, legalize it and put it, put it, put it all over the place. <laughs> Why did one generation of of elderly folks have such a negative stance on things, while just maybe a generation or two ahead, when they became their grandparents' generation, they're like, yeah, it's not so bad. <laughs> why, why do things I, I, like I'm that happen? I'm going to push back on you a little bit. I, I think your your um, premise is actually a false premise. And what okay. Do you mean by yes. That yes. Explain it's this. It's not generational. Okay? okay. Yes. People have firmly held beliefs about things because they were raised in a family that had firmly held beliefs about those things. Yes. The boomer generation was raised under threat of annihilation from the atomic bomb. Yes. If you weren't taking substances to manage the existential awareness of that, there's something wrong with you. Okay. Okay, so yes. I'm going to claim it. This is my generation. We felt that it was important to uh, explore 
literally what consciousness was. So this is the Timothy Leary, let's drop acid, let's go check out LSD. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The generation slightly ahead of that was the one that said, no, this is a bad thing to do. We don't want you people raising your consciousness. Now, fast forward 40, 50 years, and I am a 68-year-old professional who smoked weed back in the day. We didn't call it weed. We called it pot. <laughs> pot back in the day. It is not the substance that people are using today. I have a lifetime of experience in watching people negotiate their relationship with reality through using substances. And I put it that way because I don't want to put the pressure of having a value judgment on why and how. I have seen the destruction that numbing out causes in individuals and in families. Should weed be used to treat aches and pains? Well, let's see. Let's see if it can help. Because if it can help, there are economic benefits for that, there are physiologic benefits for that, and in the long run, there's a quality of life benefit for that. Yes. But if it causes distress, if it causes uh, poor outcomes, if it is the source of pain and suffering, then it's probably not a good idea to use that. So I, I go back and forth. One of my big issues with aging adults is that, and you may be aware of this, most pharmaceuticals are designed and actually tested on individuals between the ages of 18 and 49. Why? Because it's, they're easily accessed. The problem with medications and pharmaceuticals and older adults is we don't know what impact it's going to have. So uh, if you take a medication that is prescribed as prescribed uh, for someone and you're in your 70s and 80s, your metabolism, your body is completely different from that of an 18 to a 49-year-old. But somehow we expect the results to be the same, and that's just foolish science. That's awesome. We have got a tremendous guest with us today. Mary Flett joins us here on our big program. So Mary, as we wrap up here with you, my friend, how do we get in touch with you online, uh, social media, websites, all these things? You're so kind to ask. Um, I am in the midst of launching a revised version of fivepillarsofaging.com, all one word. That should go live in the next couple of weeks. If people want to email me, they can do so at drmaryflett dot at I'm sorry at gmail dot com. Uh, that's one e and two t's. And uh, I am at Five Pillars of Aging on Twitter. That's a five, the number five, as opposed to the word. And I can't think of any other way to tell you how to get a hold of me. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. You have been fantastic. I definitely want to have uh, more conversations with you because you 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 are just uh, amazing and uh, a great speaker and and everything else, my friend. Thanks for doing this, and uh, we will definitely talk to you soon. Have yourself a wonderful day, Mary. Thanks so much. Talk to you later. Appreciate it, my friend. There she goes, Mary Flett. And that wraps it up here from our big broadcast. We thank you for listening, and we will see you next time here on Build, Grow, and Enjoy. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.